Today's episode of Shootcast is brought to you by Modus Operandi Brewing. Based in Motorvale on Sydney's northern beaches and one of Australia's best craft brewers, be sure to check the guys out online or why not visit the brewery. Thank you to Modus for your support of the show. On today's episode of Shootcast, we'll be talking all things Western Sydney rugby with Western Sydney 2 Blues General Manager Craig Morgan. Craig's got a strong history in the game, particularly now in the Western Sydney, and he wants to talk through some of the discussions that have been happening online and in the press. Uh, He wants to dispel some of the misconceptions and also highlight some of the challenges facing rugby in the West. It's going to be a very interesting conversation. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to Shootcast. Welcome to Shootcast. On today's episode, we'll be talking all things rugby, particularly rugby in the Western Sydney. And to do that, um, I'm joined by none other than the Western Sydney Two Blues General Manager, Craig Morgan. Thanks, Craig, for joining the show. Thanks for having us on, Burjo. Really appreciate it. Craig, there's been a a lot of conversation, uh, particularly this year, it's intensified around uh, the plight of the Western Sydney clubs in and around the competition. You've obviously seen a lot of traction online, various forums, and um, obviously, Competition ladders are still looking pretty grim for, for a lot of the sides out west. You've, you, you've been uh, in this role here at uh, Western Sydney for a number of years now, and uh, I know you've got a lot to sort of uh, fill us in from, from your observations so far. But um, maybe take us right back to the start when you got on board and take us talk us through the rebrand from sort of Parramatta to Blues to Western Sydney and some of the strategic thinking behind, um, behind those developments. Yeah, the, the rebrand has been a significant change uh, for the club and one that was certainly not taken lightly. Uh, there's a lot of history attached to the Two Blues and it's, it's a proud history. Mm. Uh, there's a lot, yeah. of, a lot of great people have been associated with the club, but the the reality is the, the world's changed out west and, and in general and the rugby landscape has significantly changed as well. Um, there were key elements that drove... Uh, that change, and there was a number of elements, not any particular one. Um, in relation to the shoot shield itself, uh, mm. we saw at that time uh, that Penrith were likely uh, to be falling over, so to speak, um, and it was anticipated that they weren't going to be in the competition yep. um, in the ensuing years. Uh, the Eastwood relocation was a hot topic, um, which obviously was a big one because where they're effectively moving to is actually our junior catchment. Uh, yeah. Hill and yep. Norwest there are, are two great um, junior clubs uh, which technically feed into the two blues. So for that, uh, that both of those were significant. Uh, also, from a, a corporate sponsorship point of view, uh, there was a lot more power behind the Western Sydney region. Uh, and, and we needed to, I suppose, uh, strategize. It was a bit like a game of chess with Eastwood shifting into our area, Penrith possibly not being around at all. Mm. Uh, we had to try and um, obviously secure our future. And part of that too was also looking to ensure that we have a presence in the southwest. A lot of our players do actually come from the Campbelltown region, the MacArthur area. Yep. Uh, so it was important to try and broaden our footprint, so to speak, because you, you catch more butterflies with a bigger net. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. It's um, it's obviously you know not been something that's sort of been any anything new, but pa- Parramatta or Western Sydney's sort of decline has been pretty steady for for a number of years. But with potentially this rebrand and the infrastructure improvements, um, you've still got a concern with 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 playing numbers, correct? Yeah, that's correct. Numbers uh, aren't where we'd like them to be, obviously. Um, and there's there's patterns across all of uh, Western Sydney of the clubs there. And I obviously can't speak mm. on behalf of the other clubs, but sure. there's distinct patterns there, both both in results and, and numbers. Uh, none of us are fielding the full amount of grades, which is a concern to everyone. Um, mm. It's not it's not what we want to be. We we want to be you know vibrant and healthy and and being able to compete in every competition available. Um, sure. We're certainly hoping the new facility uh, supports our aim and. The reality there is, you know, the previous facility, the old facility, as charming as it was and historic, uh, yeah. the reality is young mums and dads bring their kids in there and, and it's not an enviable place to be. So mm. uh, with the new facilities, I think, you know, people will want to be there. Um, we're hoping to have it properly decked out so we're a bit of a one-stop shop for, for rugby in the region um, and able to provide appropriate programs on site such as uh, gym, et cetera. Yep. Uh, but we're really hoping that that does assist. But there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things behind the scenes in relation to uh, social difference, uh, mm. demographics, all these things that impact the numbers in Western Sydney, um, which which are really interesting when you look at some of the facts and figures uh, around our club. We've just done some surveys, which have been really interesting for us. Mm. Uh, just ascertain why we have some of the struggles we're having so mm. which I'm, which I'm happy to go through you've provided me with uh, the documentation you submitted to sydney rugby union um uh and new south wales rugby with regards to some of those survey um results and, and they are very interesting it's a really well put together document talk me through socioeconomic impact um with regards to western city playing numbers and some of the uh more specific challenges in that respect yeah sure uh if I start off with our Colts, for instance, uh, we did a survey with them uh, just a week or two ago, and yep. you know, this, this is under 20s, so 66.7% of our Colts are already in the workforce, which is, mm. a, which is a high number. Um, yep. And we've got 14.3% are unemployed. Uh, so there's, there's a, a high number of, of young men out there in the workforce, and 100% mm. of that 66.7% are in labour positions so we're mm. talking delivery drivers forklift operators warehouse pick and pack yeah uh, those are the things that are relying on shift work yeah uh, a, a lot of them work casually so yeah income can be uh inconsistent and yep. sometimes it's just not enough so we're on the lower socioeconomic scale and sometimes when uh, you know work calls or shifts come up they have to take them um yeah so it's 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 a big stat, and same with grade. Uh, currently, grade, uh, we have fifty um, percent of our guys are part time or casually employed, which mm. is a significant amount. Nine point one percent are unemployed, and when it comes to rugby, fifty uh, percent utilise public transport to get to training and games. So there's mm. time constraints, there's costs, there's a whole range of things that impact, uh, yeah, the playing group in the West based on these differences and uh, you know coming to training uh, can, can be difficult on occasions we have um, a number of guys that we see the group chats every week where 
different things pop up around work and, and work has to come first. These guys aren't professional mm. players. They have to make a living. Yep. They have to support their families. And yep. their family is also a, a big one based on our, um, our social structures in the West as well. Yeah, it's fascinating. You actually provided a lot of the um, excuses, if you will, for missing training. <laughs> Boys running late for work, running late for assessments, and um, you know, parents responding on behalf of players. A couple of boys have got church service. Uh, so you know, it's uh, it's interesting. Uh, different looking text messages, maybe on the North Shore. I know a number of cults that just uh, sorry, we're going to borrow them on a Falls Festival. So it's it's, it's a little bit little bit different, but it was um, it's fascinating to see. One of the more interesting um, statistics you provided was how little players had actually played rugby union before getting to a premier club like Western Sydney. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, there's there's a big percentage. Our Colts, 47.6% have had no rugby experience before our Colts program, wow. um, which is significant because yeah. the one of it is rugby is a, a technical game. Um, I suppose if I use one of the more technical positions being a prop, yep. um, uh, you, you put an experienced prop, say, from Manly, who's had maybe five to ten years of juniors before they hit Colts with yep. extensive coaching mm-hmm. uh, and training coming up against a, a kid who's probably yeah. a, a big unit but has never actually, you know, other than what he's getting currently through us, has, has doesn't have five or ten years' experience, he's going to be eaten alive. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's the reality. The you know, technique wins. Um so it's uh, yeah, it was a significant significant number in our cults um, and grades. Also, it was twenty seven point three percent no rugby experience prior to joining the two blues. What's the uh, in terms of the pathway from juniors to uh, the two blues? What's the critical area where you're losing players? And is it is it in that 16, 17 age group, which a lot of clubs, you know, Sydney wide are probably struggling with as well in terms of private school allocations? But what's the Western Sydney challenge in that respect? There's definitely a drop off at those age groups. Um, we, we face differences as well, where and that, that's highlighted, I think, in the, what I sent you through. That yeah. uh, players are more inclined to leave the West based on these differences because if there are incentives on offer, then yeah, who can blame them for taking them when their employment situation is is so inconsistent? Um, but players don't tend to come into the West, um, and that's that's to do with lifestyle. Uh, so basically, we, we really focused on our juniors at the moment, trying to build the relationships amongst the village clubs and obviously the two blues juniors. We had uh, the Waratahs Academy come out recently, which is wonderful to do some work with our Colts in the under-16s. Mm. And they openly acknowledged some of the talent that was in that under-16s unit, but at the same time acknowledged we're not going to see them. Um, mm. All of them have gone to Kings now, so... Talented kids uh, who are two Blues juniors who are into the private school system and they'll do well there. I believe uh, one of the boys made his first 15 debut last weekend, which is great. But from a two Blues perspective, uh, we won't see them probably in our Colts program and we've just got to hope that beyond schooling years that they, they do come back our way. What does the churn look like from a, from a grade perspective in terms of loss of players each year and having to replenish stocks? Is that, that a constant battle for the head coach? Oh, big time. Uh, the churn is significant. This year, we've actually recruited quite well, but our retention uh, has been has been poor. Uh, how many, how many would you lose, roughly, uh, a uh, I, I could list a, a first-grade side this year, uh, mm. basically. And I know that's not just us. I've seen that from the other clubs out our way too over the last couple of years where there's been a big churn. Uh, mm. you know, 
We've what, got players at different clubs, and mm. I, I noticed on the weekend there's players around at other clubs that come from out west as well. Mm. It's just, just the way it is. What is the um, the feeling towards other shoot shield clubs for poaching's a word that's obviously tossed around, but is it is it poaching or is it is it as soon as a player gets a call, it's just I'm I'm I'm, I'm more attracted to a, a more attractive potentially financial incentive, or is it also maybe with an eye on a professional opportunity pathway, do they think that they might have a better opportunity um, at a premier club to excel their own rugby journey? Yeah, it's an interesting one, that one, because the word poaching does get used a lot. And we yep. all get sensitive when we lose players, and that's yeah, yep. that's natural. Um, but, yeah, particularly doing these surveys really sort of uh, brings you back to earth a bit. And yep. the reality is the, the guys leave for a variety of different reasons. Uh, some it is the financial incentives. I remember one a couple of years ago who – who left us, but then a couple of weeks later contacted me and said, can I come home? Um, the reason he'd left and his words was he needed to look after his family. Mm. And at that time I asked my 14-year-old son at the time, what does that mean? And he said, that means he's getting paid more. And mm. that yeah. was the reality, but that didn't work out where he went and he came back. Um, mm. There's other players that do feel that the doors of opportunity will open at different clubs, yeah. whether that's true or not, yeah, you know, I, I really can't say. There's there's always perceptions, and individuals' perceptions are their reality. So, um, we'd like to think that we're, you know, we can provide representative opportunities as well. Um, mm. And it's the way you look at it too. I mean, at a club like ours, uh, if you're worth your salt, then uh, basically you'll stand out, and and good things will happen. I mean, you look at Adrian Musical a few years ago winning the the Catchpole Medal. There yeah. are moments where, you know, I think sometimes the West can be cannibalistic of itself. Um, mm. You know, as an example, on the weekend, uh, it was reported back to myself, one of our cults has been approached by two other clubs already um, mm. in, in the region. So it's it's things like that. And, and everyone's contacting players. That's that's just the, the market we're in these days. It is a market and mm. it's a recruitment market and it's um, – I suppose can be a little disheartening sometimes when you've got players and, you know, at round four they're already receiving calls or being spoken to. What's your view on the flow of money in the shoot shield in terms of player payments? Um, you look at a competition like Subbies, which is thriving. A lot of those clubs are, are really thriving based more on an amateur, on an amateur outlook. Um, towards the game. Obviously, the Shoot Shield's history is steeped in being an amateur game, but it's become semi-professional and players are earning up, you know, anywhere from two to $500 a match, uh, some more. Some are getting, obviously, extra incentives. Do you think this is a, having a destabilising impact on the, on, the, on, on, the, on the building of clubs like yourselves and uh, potentially across the code more, more significantly? Yeah, yeah, I do. And I, I think... The reality is in, in any situation, and again, it's a market, that there's going to be uh, cycles and there's also going to be the haves and the have-nots. Uh, yeah. There's areas of affluence and there's areas that aren't affluent. So, mm. um, can, And then what happens in a market is you've got to try and keep up with the Joneses. Um, mm. You're in real estate, you know, it's like an auction. Uh, yeah. You know, Someone bids a certain amount. If you want the, the property, you've got to match or, or go beyond, and, and that's mm. not sustainable. Um, the reality is for us too with those social differences and the socioeconomics, as I mentioned, a lot of the guys, if uh, the incentives are good enough, they have to take them. Uh, They're trying to support families. Uh, They need consistency and security in their lives. 
Uh, so they will tend to to leave the region to to take those incentives, and it is hard if uh, things aren't on a level playing field because it's very hard to then retain if it is based on, on monetary value. Yeah, obviously um, Western Sydney is a club with a huge Pacific Island um, population. That must also present its own diverse uh, challenges and strengths in many regards. Could you talk me through sort of the, the dynamic with that respect? Yeah, sure. Uh, we, we definitely have a large Pacifica population, which is wonderful, uh, and we embrace that. Um, we've, yep. we've got a, a range of different demographics within our, our club, and that's, that's something we think is wonderful. Um, it provides the, the vibrancy. Um, comes with its, its difficulties as well. Um, you know, as an example, we sometimes post up some of the boys singing uh, and for every good comment, there's a bad one as well from from people out there in social media world. Um, telling about us the boys that, singing, it's, yeah, it's we, fantastic. We it. it is fantastic, and yeah. the reality is, no one feels left out. Um, yeah, that's great. No, no matter where you're from or what colour you are, everyone's feels yeah. included and and they're respectful, and that's yeah. all it is, is is respectful, and it's nice to be part of it. Um, but we, we do get comments and commentary around that, that we're, it's not a church service, uh, it's not a choir. Um, people, oh, people must feel left out. So you, you get some negative stuff around it, which is um, sometimes hard to take because it's just it's not necessary. Um, no. There's also social differences there. The family unit in the Pacific community is extremely important, uh, as it is to all of us, but mm. in the Pacific community it's usually an extended family. Um, any incentives that the boys do make, and I'm generalising here, isn't always uh, going into their own pockets. Mm. It's, it's they also support the family unit. Mm. Uh, as an example, we had, um, I was made aware of one of our Colts boys recently who uh, is required to leave his employment uh, because mm. he has to take his siblings to school of a morning. Mm. Uh, you get scenarios like that which uh, can impact people on an individual basis and at the end of the day, the people are the most important part of a club. Yeah, there's interesting comments there in the Pacifica uh, piece about Western society that knowledge is power and Pacific culture, strong family and community is power. So it's a very different outlook on, on, on life, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And we quite often see that uh, mum and dad quite often have an influence on uh, what code uh, the child plays yeah. and um, you know which club they may play for. Uh, so we do see that sometimes there's a, there's a strong influence and that, that comes from that family relationship. Mm. With regards to uh, finances, again, going back there, obviously you presented this paperwork um, to Sydney Rugby Union and New South Wales Rugby. What's the lay of the land there? Is Has there been discussions with some of the concerns of the performance of the Western Sydney sides more recently? Uh, no, there's, there's a lot of rumour, uh, yeah. which is always frustrating because rumours rumors tend to be untrue mm. and <laughs> can also do you damage. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's a, a few rumours circulated a couple of weeks ago that we're insolvent, which is totally not the case at all. Um, mm. we're, we're paying all our bills and we're, we're business as usual. Um, mm. And the sponsorship for the club, pretty good? Yeah, yeah Maryland's RSL have been magnificent. They're, they're really yep. great supporters. Um, uh, Harvey Norman and, and all of our sponsors um, have been wonderful. I, I had, um, obviously, uh, seen some of those comments uh, on the Shoot Shield forum group about... Uh, some of the concerns. There were some discussions um, with regards to Western Sydney maybe misrepresenting the players that they had at their disposal for this upcoming season. Would there be any truth to, you know, playing strength this year? 
No, not at all. We we basically put out into the public domain people uh, that we had signed or you know, were coming mm. to the club. Some of those didn't come through for various reasons. Yeah. Um, yep. you know, and that's just the way it goes. But we, we're trying to be very positive. We're trying to showcase that we're, we're trying to head in the right direction and we're trying to be quite open and transparent in what we're doing. Um, mm-hmm. I think sometimes when you do that, you uh, still have people throwing rocks at you. Um, yeah. No matter what you do, so you know everything we've done is is above board and and out in the open, and you know we've uh, we have recruited a number of good players this year. We just need to put it together on the field, and that, that may come with some cohesion. <clears throat> I know there's certainly a cohort of officials you could say within within the shoot shoot game that would prefer to see a ten team comp home and away. Um, well, obviously potentially watering down Western Sydney to one side with what entity that is. Um, how would you feel about something proposed like that? Yeah, look, we, we hear all sorts of talk uh, every year. It seems to be a, an annual thing and a topic of discussion, which, which look, we can understand. Uh, everyone wants a healthy, vibrant competition, and, and we're no yeah. different. We want, mm. we want the competition to be healthy and vibrant, but we also want each of the clubs to be healthy and vibrant. We, we don't want to see anybody fail. Um, yep. But my honest personal opinion at the moment is the way the game is set up and the comp set up and the way rugby is travelling in the West, I think it's a bit of a, a war of attrition, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like in the, I don't want to say demise, but in the uh, <laughs> current way the game is heading that um, Western Sydney are really on the uh, forefront of, of where it's sort of starting to dissolve? Yeah, I think it's a good litmus test for rugby. I think um, rugby itself, if it really wants to see where where things are heading and, and where things could possibly end up, Western Sydney is at the forefront of that. So mm. I think uh, it's, a, it's a really good opportunity for all the key stakeholders and the governing bodies to, to really uh, jump on board and, and look for ways of um, making change. Uh, so that way we're, we're not losing regions and, and clubs aren't being put at risk. Waratah's played a number of games in Western Sydney, Bank West um, and, and ANZ, uh, Bank West more particularly. But obviously attendances have, have been poor, Waratah's performance, and, and obviously the way they go more recently hasn't been very endearing to fans. But is there still a rugby community out there in Western Sydney that have an appetite for rugby? I definitely think there is. I think uh, you've obviously got the Shoot Shield clubs and on all the village clubs uh, mm. underneath, as well as the Subbies clubs. And you touched on the Subbies doing really well before. I think that lends itself to some of those uh, social differences that we're talking about. Shoot Shield has a lot of demands on pl- the playing group these days. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of expectations, a lot of demands. And with our social structures, uh, sometimes those demands take their tolls on our players around transport, around training requirements around those incentives and at the end of the day people do just want to play that's it's still a sport at the end of the day and and Mm. playing the game for the right reasons is quite often what a lot of them do want to do so you see the subbies numbers are quite good Mm. and i think there is definitely a market in western sydney um we just need to be able to engage them and i think you know uh, I have to give the Waratahs a pat on the back. Uh, we've just announced tonight they are actually, uh, as they did with Manly, they're coming out our direction on the 11th to do an opposed run against our first okay. 15, and that'll that's be great. open to all the junior clubs. So that's, you know, we've got to give people credit when they do things well, but at the same time, uh, I think engagement uh, has been lost in a significant way over a, a lengthy period of time. We, we don't currently have any development officers in the catchment. <clears throat> 
which you know is is to our detriment. And to be fair, I think when we did have development offices, it's a bit of a one size fits all approach. I, I went into a school myself, um, and I was provided a presentation uh, which was from the then DO's notebook and. I looked at it and thought it's not going to cater to the audience I'm going to be talking to. It was mm. um, there was a lot of facts and figures as opposed to what opportunities lay ahead for these young men, and mm. that's what they want to know is where they fit into the scheme of things and why they should be playing rugby and sticking with it, particularly when uh, at that point in time rugby wasn't doing so well, the Wallabies aren't doing well, and and either was Super Rugby. So they you know it was a good chance for us to showcase to them that's where their actual opportunity lay. Mm. Just going back to that discussion quickly on uh, sub-districts, has there ever been any consideration, I mean, how do I say this, how critical is it for Western Sydney to stay in the shoot shield v looking at a suburban rugby offering, um, whether that's Western Sydney or any of the Western Sydney sides, as a potential longer-term fit? As you say, everyone just wants to play rugby. Um, if you take away maybe the pressures of additional training and financial costs to stay in a competitive market like the Shoot Shield, is there potentially some advantage to to going to sub-districts or is it still critical that you're playing Premier Rugby given, given the club's history and given the opportunity for players? I think it's critical for the game to have Western Sydney represented at Shoot Shield level and Premier yep. Rugby level. Um, I think that that's important. I think if you lose that catchment, then I think that's – that's a dangerous sign for the game itself. Um, yeah. You know, I think players will, will opt in or out and play where they, I suppose, are best suited. Um, we need to obviously make improvements with our results. Everything else about the club is actually fairly decent. Uh, we've got the yeah. new facility coming. Uh, at the last two AGMs, our CFO has credited the rebrand with actually putting us in the best financial position we've been in for a number of years, which yeah. isn't something where we're wealthy and affluent, um, but but we're in a better position. And, and mm. this year, while our results haven't been uh, flash, we were actually quite competitive in the first two games, even though the scores don't look great. Yeah. Uh, the wheels fell off in round three, and then we uh, we played really well on the weekend. Um, yeah, you did. I was I was watching that game. I thought the boys um, rebounded from the obviously disappointment at Penrith um, to to give Manly a, a very good game in it right up until the last sort of ten minutes, which was um, which was good to see. But um, how do how do you turn that 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 um, that performance piece around in terms of uh, halting the player drain and and, and trying to get the best team on the field. I mean, is it purely a, a financial thing that clubs are requiring? Is it um, – it's probably all the above, I guess. I think you probably yeah, outline most of the challenges. Yeah, it's multifaceted. There's no one solution to it. You know, there's, there's things we need to improve on internally. There's definitely – you know, we're certainly not going to just point fingers and say it's everyone else. It's we're, We've got things we have to improve on for sure. Um, at the same time, you know, money certainly helps because we need to be competitive. Again, it's a market. And if, um, if you can't compete in the market financially, then, then you're behind the eight ball straight away. Mm. Uh, but at the same time, that has to be sustainable. Mm. Uh, you can't just go out and, and blow money and then have nothing for the following year. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a multifaceted thing. For us, depth, obviously, with the, the player drain because at the end of the day, I've spoken to a few of the boys uh, that, that have moved on and for them, they want to be pushed. And, and you can look at this two ways. 
when you speak to people, some people say, well, that's that's up to those individuals to have that drive within. Mm. But at the same time, I can understand sometimes that, you know, at two blues, some of the boys might be able to coast along at 70 or 80 percent and because of the lack of depth, uh, still still be considered for higher honours in the uh, first 15 or second grade. Um, where at, a say, a Sydney Uni, you're coasting along at 70, 80 percent, then you're not going to get picked in fourth grade. Mm. So I can understand sometimes those guys want to be surrounded by the depth of talent to, to drive themselves on, which then puts them in the best position possible to achieve what it is they want to achieve. Looking at potential solutions, a lot of clubs would like to champion uh, their alignment with uh, educational institutions. Obviously, um, Sydney University, well, it speaks for itself, but, you know, Ramick University, New South Wales, um, and Gordon at UTS, etc. cetera. Uh, is there anything with Western Sydney um, University that, that can be aligned or, or anything in place from a practical sense? I'm really glad you asked that question because it is one I see on social media a lot and I know it's a really well-intentioned point. And we actually do have a relationship uh, with Western Sydney Uni, which is very positive. Mm. Uh, The reality there is um, as a sport, rugby just does not rate to their student body. Uh, They recently did a survey uh, and their survey, which they sent through, was um, rugby finished 13th out of 15 sports were nominated as a sports of interest in that survey. Um, some sports weren't in the survey and the uni felt that if those sports were, they would also have finished higher than rugby would have. Uh, so effectively, um, you have to ask, like, why would the uni look to invest in a sport that their main core business, which is their student body, have insufficient interest in? Mm. Um, the relationship we have with the uni is uh, access to interns who help out on game days and, and do some of their learning, on, you know, real life learning, uh, which has been wonderful. It's also given us extra sets of hands, which has been great. Um, and we're, we're talking to them about expanding in other areas of uh, using some of their resources. So the relationship there is, is entry level, but very positive. Uh, but there's there's no scholarships available. That's just the reality, and there's there's no cash available. So, um, you know, we're working within the parameters of of what works best for for both parties there. And um, yeah, just the misconceptions that it's so easy just to align to a uni, and the reality is, too, our playing base, as indicated in our surveys, are, are primarily not uni students. Yeah, I saw rugby. In that survey, ranked 13 out of 15 with only edging out hockey and golf. So uh, we really are um, scratching for, for that, that wider interest. The, the juniors' um, catchment for the two blues, that involves up to five clubs, is that true? Uh, yeah, you've, you've got a few clubs there, um, all of differing uh, strengths and weaknesses mm. and, and numbers. Yeah. Um, and we're really trying to work with juniors, the Two Blues Juniors and the Village Clubs to try and build relationships because uh, when I first came in, and you still get it, you still get people saying that seniors don't do anything for juniors and Mm. we're constantly asking the question, what is it you want us to do? Um, We're we're happy to have those conversations and and Mm. we'll do what we can. Um, We're looking to allocate players as junior ambassadors to each of our clubs. Even though the kids get in for free anyway, we've um, got uh, season passes for them all, so they've got something in their wallet yep. uh, that, that reminds them of us and hopefully prompts them to 
give mum and dad a push to bring them to our games. Um, but same thing, uh, Saturdays in the West is often rugby league days. Mm. <laughs> so mm. A lot of our kids play both codes and um, mums and dads are a push for time and particularly, again, with our, um, our, our social structures, transport can be difficult and getting around from, you know, kids rugby league or other sports on a Saturday and then coming to the shoot shield is, is it seems to have become a uh, bit of a chore in some aspects where people are very time poor. Mm, yeah, no, it is, it is difficult um, getting people to, to forego their Saturday afternoons to, to watch some footy. Well, with yeah. Stan, Stan's offering so good now, you probably don't want to leave the couch anyway. Um, so I'm going to say uh, how, how is Eastwood's relocation viewed amongst um, the Western Sydney Two Blues? I think everyone will have a different opinion, and yeah. <laughs> the reason it is, it's a great strategic move. So, you know, mm. hats off to them for that. Um, you can't you can't fault the reasons why. Like it's it's mm. part of the why we've rebranded. It's a, it's like a game of chess. They've they've shifted one way. We have to shift the next because at the end of the day, mm. where they're moving to is actually our junior catchment. Um, mm. So the likelihood is uh, we will more than likely lose the the juniors from that that district because at the end of the day eastwood are literally going to be across the road and uh, mum and dad of course are, are going to want to go across the road as opposed to the little bit of travel they they may have to take into marylands and and the reality also is eastwood have been a very successful club uh, yep. where we've we've been down the lower end of the the ladder the wrong end of the ladder for for too long uh, so there also comes those stigmas and perceptions and uh eastwood are a great club so i think uh a great move on their behalf but one that will definitely have an impact on us and part of the reason why we have to be strategic in our our actions may it have a positive impact in terms of a club of great strength being so closely nearby uh, in terms of raising standards i know um certainly uh despite Manly not really enjoying Ringer's renaissance in recent years, has uh, been nothing better than having two vibrant, strong clubs to try and push each other um, to, to a better location. There's a, there's a very mutually, you know, expressed view between those two clubs that, you know, the benefit of, of either club is just great for rugby in the area and, and the junior catchment. Has there been any discussions with Eastwood about potential how the future might look? Um, no, you know, not, given, not given you, stage. Sure. We're all sort of uh, seeing what we see uh, put out on social media. Um, and, again, you can read into some of those things and take them personally and sometimes there's comments made which you think, hang on a second, mm. uh, to be rich. But um, at the end of the day, like Eastwood are a great competitor and we're not planning on going anywhere. We're, we're planning on, you know, our aim is to be a, a vibrant club for Western Sydney and, and yeah. we, we want to take on the likes of Eastwood. We, we want to be a proud club that the community gets behind and, and we want to be taking on the likes of your Eastwoods and Sydney unis. Yep. Well, I think everyone wants to see that. There's, there's no question. I, I mean, I mean, with the podcast week to week, it just it shits me to tears for, for, you know, lack of a better saying, for just continually reading out um, – bad score lines and not being able to really talk enough about the Western Sydney sides. And unfortunately, success commands attention and um, it just hasn't been enough of it in Western Sydney. And it, back to that point, is is winning a critical thing at Western Sydney to, to start churning up some wins? Because obviously, it hasn't been a lot of winning. And um, do you think something like a simple turn in performance might start to change some fortunes of the club? 
Yeah, 100%. Uh, winning is something we are very focused on at the uh, start of the year or the end of last year. Mm. Um, you know, we, we met, we reviewed, and the coaches put a plan together uh, and the board backed that plan. Uh, they've thrown a lot of resources to that plan to, to, to win. And mm. we understand that pe- everyone likes to win. No, no one likes to lose and, and none of us are there to lose. Uh, we are certainly there to not just compete and make up numbers either. Mm. Um, yeah, so a lot of our resources have been throwing at trying to build success this year. And while we haven't started well, um, as I mentioned earlier, we've we've recruited quite well, uh, mm. but we've just bled out too many players. And mm. and those players that we've bled out are yeah, some some of our better ones. So um, we've got a, we'll, we'll be facing I think four of them this week at East, um, mm. and you know two of those well. Were, were two of our you know, best players in 2020. So um, we can't afford to be losing players, and that's something we need to, to fix. So how do we? I mean, how do we turn the fortunes? What what are the what are the key things from your perspective uh, that need to happen from within your club and or uh, externally from Sydney Rugby Union, New South Wales Rugby, and indeed Rugby Australia to help rugby um, survive? and then hopefully thrive. Yeah, I think we need a top-down and bottom-up approach uh, to hit, hit us in the middle, uh, not one or the other. Mm. Uh, we definitely, I think we're probably one of the only clubs in the comp without a full-time coach. Our coach is, he puts in a lot of hours, but he's, you could say part-time at best. Um, yep. so, so I think that's something we, we need to try and work towards uh, because we, we need someone on the ground. And, and part of that as a coach in my personal view, is uh, full-time coaches should also be playing a development role, obviously. Yeah. Uh, should be into your schools and building your relationships, um, you know, with the juniors. Um, but also from the – we also need a development officer out there. Um, mm. You've got a guy floating around like Tatafu Politan now. Mm. Uh, he's a perfect character to for New South Wales rugby to try and engage and put him into the schools and junior clubs of Western Sydney. Kids love him. He's great with kids, um, knows a bit about rugby, and mm. uh, represents you know Western Sydney with pride. So um, yeah, and that seems like a, a pretty simple solution if if uh, is willing and able, obviously. But uh, you know he's got great gravitas, you know, in the game locally. He's got great gravitas internationally. He's um, Seemingly, you know, just the perfect fit for something like that. Has there been discussions with RA about funds for development officers for Western Sydney or anything of that nature? Um, well, the, the report that I sent through to you is actually I prepared that uh, based on the fact that we're hearing talk that uh, there'll be a chat with Sydney Rugby, uh, mm. New South Wales and RA coming up shortly. We're not sure on when that will be. Yeah. Uh, but I think before before those governing bodies can look to fix anything or put forward their suggestions, they've got to understand what it is they're trying to fix. And that's why, you know, touch on those social differences and the demographics and the, social, uh, the socioeconomics because you can't just go in and say, hey, here's a solution and not understand what you're working with. And that's where, you know, appointing development officers, for instance, who are actually relevant to the community they're working in. Uh, so that way they actually get engagement and pull through and kids can relate to them. That's that's a key. Um, so we're, we're hoping the meetings will be productive. We're not sure uh, what will come of them. Mm. Uh, I saw in the Sydney Morning Herald, I think it was on the weekend, an article about potential mergers. 
Mm. Which was an interesting read. Uh, <laughs> there was a, a few shots fired in that one, which is mm. uh, always fun. Um, but at the end of the day, I think people forget like that, that article was specifically relating to us and Penrith. Yeah. Organically, a couple of years ago, Penrith weren't in the competition and we were and we'd absorbed some of their players yep. because they wanted to play and obviously mm-hmm. we were the next choice based on locality and effectively we didn't do any better. So mm. I don't necessarily see just a, a merger as being a solution. It's um, it's a lot deeper than that around, again, the differences we face and, and those mm. things to be looked at and the plan formulated on on how we attack everything together and that that's going to be a key is everyone you know the, the governing bodies and, and the clubs are going to have to work together on uh tailoring a plan that that suits when COVID hit obviously uh, reduced comp last year there was probably not as high a uh, emphasis you'd say put on the lower grades and as a result some clubs didn't field sides uh there's a concern that some of the Western clubs simply will not be able to get back to four senior and three Colts grades moving forward. Do you, do you see a significant challenge being able to fulfil that potential requirement? Uh, potentially. It's, it's a hard one. Like the, the numbers fluctuate annually. Yep. Um, yep. And we, we draw over the last decade players from a multitude of postcodes from the West. Like there is, yeah, it's a, it is a big geographical area. Uh, there is a big populace, but what people forget too, it's also the most multicultural mm. uh, region in the country. So there's the, the growing element of, of the population aren't from rugby playing backgrounds, So, um, which is always an interesting topic. Mm. Um, we're, we're hopeful like this year, sorry, last year we were able to facilitate a fourth grade. Yeah. Uh, we, we could have run the fourth grade again this year. The guys were keen, but the reality is the competition rules state you can't run fours if you don't have threes. Mm. Um, and and fair enough, the, the boys in fours didn't want to play threes. Their, their time is done. They're, they're real fourth graders now. Um, yep. and, and so effectively we couldn't run either of those two grades. We At trial time, we had two grades of Colts. Yep. Uh, but again, based on... The demands that some of these kids have on them um, come round one. Uh, we were down to one. We had a couple of guys that were fully paid up in their rego, but work just drew them away. They just could not commit to rugby anymore. Uh, mm, so mm. You lose guys like that, and then we've lost. You, you lose a couple of players when when rego comes around. Um, yeah, we're, I think on rego we're probably the uh, cheapest rego in the competition. Probably you now we're two hundred and fifty dollars. Two fifty. That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> and they get a fair bit of kit for that too. It's um, yeah, everyone yeah, loves kit. So they do. Um, yeah, we we realised a couple of years ago we we're at three fifty, and we mm. just weren't getting the pull through. Um, so we've realised we're better off getting you know everyone paying at two fifty than trying to chase people at three fifty. Um, yeah, and that, that comes down to the other clubs' uh, ability to to draw in. You know, more affluence, I suppose, where registrations are right up to 600 bucks at some clubs. Mm. If we were charging that, though, I don't think we'd be running anyone out. Yeah, that is big money. I'm not sure who that club is, but <laughs> they all must be doing it right <laughs> wherever they are. Yeah, how's, the, uh, how's the stadium rebuild, uh, well, the stadium rebuild going? And um, obviously it must be a very exciting time just to see the improvements day on day with, with, with the new build? 
Yeah, it is. It's it's really exciting, and we're all overly excited to to get out there when we finally do for the first time. Mm. The building itself is due for completion at the end of this month. Wow. Um, I'll actually be there tomorrow with the mayor having a look, which is wonderful. Mm. Um, all the turf's laid. The only thing that's really stopping us playing is that turf rooting into the soil. Yep. Because uh, if we get on there too early. Um, pack a few scrums and dig it up, then it means yep. we're off there again and it's, it's been, been a waste of time. So sure. we need to make sure that that turf um, is, is laid down and ready to go. And uh, it's exciting because there's a, a few things we're looking to do around the facility to try and improve our programs as well. So mm. hopefully it'll be, to be a bit of a draw card for us. Well, it's a, it's a huge win for the club and everyone that's involved in, in getting off that uh, getting that off the ground deserves a huge congratulations for it. It's, uh, it's expensive. It's a $14 million build, I think, the whole complex. Yeah, that's correct. Um, they've gone all out uh, mm. with the architecture and um, the, the turf. Uh, <coughs> they've gone all out with the turf as well. So it's um, they're, they're saying that they believe it'll be one of the best community rugby facilities in the state. Fantastic. And will it be a community use facility, not just rugby, or is it pretty rugby specific? Uh, technically, it is community. However, with our commitments, um, there'll be a, a lot of rugby commitments within that stadium. So between Shoot Shield, mm. um, there is a Western Zone Academy um, who we're talking to about having access to it as well because they're in the mm. youth space and I think they're looking for a home, so that would be ideal. Um, we obviously right into the sevens as well. So come summertime, yep. Yep. our seven squads will be um, utilising the stadium. So, And I'm sure we'll be looking to attract uh, state championships and junior junior rugby events as well. Your sevens had a good win at Kaima. That must have been uh, nice for the club to, to get their hands on some silverware. Yeah, definitely. Um, the, the sevens program has been really good for us. It's actually over the last few years, if uh, it's, it's been a major draw card for our Colts program in particular. Mm. Uh, and that's paid some dividends. We've got two of our Colts currently with the Australian men's seven side, uh, which is which is great. Um, and although we don't see much of them now, <laughs> but, mm. but we're, we're hoping they uh, have a really good crack at, at reaching the Olympics. And, and from that, we've um, drawn in our men's seven side and, and they were very successful this year. They, they were outstanding, uh, winning a few tournaments. And they took out Hamilton sevens in Newcastle. Mm. Uh, Camden tens and then also um, Kiama sevens, which is great, and that's also lent us now to entering into the the uh, Sydney women's rugby sevens as well. So we've expanded in that that side of it as well. So seven sevens has definitely been been growing for us and bringing us some wins. And uh, some of those players too are obviously uh, doing really well in the fifteens. Uh, one of our centres on the weekend against Manly came through our sevens program, so mm. it's, it's doing doing good things for us. Well, that's good. And how's your women's rugby program going? Women's rugby program's uh, quite strong again. Um, Sydney Hinney, uh, as usual, will always be hard to beat. Mm. Um, they're just a juggernaut. Um, Have you got a 15s the, and 7s program? Still? Yeah, 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 15s and 7s. Yeah, yep. yeah the, the girls are great. Um, so they're, they're going along quite well. So we've lost a couple of players there, but we've got a number of players in. Um, again, as women's rugby grows, more recruitment happens. So you lose a couple of players to other clubs who who recruit, and that's just the way it, way it goes in today's world. And but we've we've got a lot of lot of girls come through, so it's excellent. It gives our junior girls a pathway through to Jack Scott Cup and beyond into Super W and Wallaroos. 
Mm, well, look, seemingly, you know, a lot of good things happening. Is it a matter of maybe the rest of the shoot shield just, just staying a, a little bit more patient and um, hoping things can sort of uh, start to start to swing the other way? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, chats like this are very productive because I think it gets some of the information out there that people may not be aware of that are outside the region mm. around differences. And, and look, some people look at it and they won't care for the reasons. They, they just want to see... Yeah, competition, uh, and that's fair enough. Everyone's entitled to their views and opinions, but um, there's definitely differences there, and I think uh, we need to understand what they are to be able to address uh, the way forward for for everyone out west, uh, because we all do want to be competitive, uh, and we all want to see each other thrive. Wonderful, Craig. It's been a pleasure having you on. It's uh, been really enlightening, certainly for me, and hopefully for many of the listeners. And uh, really appreciate uh, you coming on. And um, congratulations on all the work you're doing out there at the Tubalus. Really appreciate it. The opportunity to uh, get some of this information out there and be quite open and transparent. It's excellent. Thank you. Thanks, Craig. Mm-hmm.